This is Home Dunk. Coming up on this week's program, we have Greg Wachinski from the Puck Daddy blog at Yahoo. And we have the finals of the Tournament of Names in the NFL. We're going to settle the score, and you won't believe who comes out on top for Home Dunk. I hit a home dunk. I wish that you would show up. I played over my head. Everything was off the charts. I jumped out the gymnasium and knocked it out the park. I hit a, a handstand. I hit a grand slam. It was a great day for the fans. Man, I got three sacks and broke three bats. I gave the crowd money plus free snacks. I did a hat trick and a backflip. It's on ESPN Classic. And you weren't there. And it hurt me to watch them retire my jersey. I hit a home dunk. Open Mike Eagle. That's Open Mike Eagle doing the Home Dunk theme song. Hello, Dunkaroos. I'm John Moe. You know that. I, I always, I still, I'm adjusting. You know, I'm a career in radio, uh, identifying what the name of the show is, identifying who the host is uh, for the people who casually dial through. But you chose to be here on purpose, you precious, precious, wonderful person. Uh, so thank you for that. We've got a great show coming up. And uh, this week I've been thinking a lot about decay and collapse and things falling apart and age, probably because it's what I think about for myself all the time. But there's there's been some stories that all relate to decay. So let's take a look at this week in decay. So the first thing, of course, Derek Jeter is gone. He has retired from the game of baseball, and there are... Plenty of people out there uh, saying he wasn't really all that great. He wasn't as great as he was being cracked up to be. In the cracking up of him, uh, there was too much greatness. And there's plenty of other people, more people, saying, no, he was God. He was the beautiful golden child. He was our sun and our moon and uh, put the blinds on all the windows and let us cry forevermore. I don't know. I think the thing with baseball, you can you can look at it a number of different ways. And of course, you're biased by whether you're a Yankees fan or whether you're somebody who dislikes the Yankees intensely. Um, but I think people loved him in part because he was the shortstop for the Yankees. I mean, who, what person who has ever played baseball, what young boy on a little league team wouldn't dream of being the shortstop for the Yankees. Like, that's even more than the center fielder for the Yankees or the first baseman. Shortstop for the Yankees. That just sounds like the best thing you could possibly do. And he held the job for 75 years or whatever it was. People loved him because of that position. And I think they also loved him because he wasn't a screw-up. He wasn't getting uh, arrested and he wasn't being a jerk. And I read something in the New York Times about this. People were praising uh, the guy in the Times was was praising Jeter for for not being a jerk and not getting arrested, even though, as the old Chris Rock routine said, you're not supposed to get arrested. You're not supposed to be a jerk. So people loved him for abiding by the same rules that the rest of us in society also have to follow. And maybe that's an incredible enough thing in professional sports. Maybe he should be praised for that. Um, and people loved him because it's fun to love him. 
you know, he's he seems nice, and it's it's good to feel love. It's good to uh, extend your heart out to others, and so people loved uh, Derek Jeter as a result. And you know, now of course, now he's got to go get a job because uh, you know he's too old to play baseball. But I can't imagine when he goes into like interview to be like a car salesman or something. It's going to be tough because they're going to look at his resume. And they're going to say, okay, you were there for for going on 20 years uh, and you just played shortstop? Well, no, I, I started as the backup shortstop briefly and then I was promoted to the full-time shortstop. Uh-huh, okay, and uh, but you never got promoted above that. Well, no, that's not really how, how baseball works. Well, I see that you had a, you had managers, but you never became a manager yourself. No. Well, do you just didn't have management potential? Well, no, it's, it's not like that. It's baseball. I think he's going to have a tough time. Um, and then other places in decay, uh, kind of a contrasting story of Northeast United States sports icons. We have Tom Brady, Tom Brady, quarterback for the New England Patriots. Again, I'm used to <laughs> I'm used to radio and public radio where I have to identify things uh, for people who uh, do not follow, are not interested in, or actively loathe sports. So forgive me. I'm still I'm still uh, kind of making that transition. Tom Brady stunk it up this week on Monday Night Football against the Kansas City Chiefs, and uh, he's 38 and. Uh, he was uh, apparently, from what I can from what I can gather, he was a what's called a big baby about it. Uh, he got he was ineffective. He was just throwing junk all over the place. The team was on its way to losing forty one to fourteen, and he got replaced by Jimmy Garoppolo, who of course is most famous for co starring with Uma Thurman in The Truth About Cats and Dogs. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and uh, Brady. Uh, from what I've read, would, was sulking on the sidelines, sulking about being taken out. Like the the coaches were, in, you know, when the defense was on the field, the coaches were talking to Garoppolo and kind of going over strategy, even though it was, it was a blowout. Everybody knew what was happening. Garoppolo's trying to prove himself. He's excited. He's, he's into it. Brady sits there, arms folded, pouting, doesn't want to do it. And it's, it's frustrating uh, because Brady once was Jimmy Garoppolo. Drew Bledsoe was the quarterback of that team, and he was the golden boy. He was, he was great, and uh, and he was everything you wanted in a quarterback. And then, kind of things didn't work out. There were injuries, and then in comes Tom Brady. So maybe Brady can be like Brady could be blamed for not recognizing the obvious parallels, but he can also. Uh, you know, catch a break because of the obvious parallels and because he knows where that story goes. And maybe now he has to go up to Buffalo or Dallas like Drew uh, Bledsoe had to do. Um, but I think he's just furious because mortality. I think he's just mad because <laughs> because everything rots and dies. And so you have this contrast with, with Jeter on his on his way out, kind of gracefully going out and being beloved because people love to love him. And then you have Tom Brady, possibly, he's 38, you know, maybe he has a, another year or two left in him. Maybe he has five more years. I don't know, but I doubt it. Uh, getting mad because everything decays and rots. Different reactions. The other, there's there's a third thing, though. There's three things this week in decay that I think are worth paying attention to. And it's Jeter, it's Tom Brady, and then there's Prince. Prince 
has two brand new albums out. Two albums. There's Art Official Age, which is a Prince record, and then something called Plectrum Electrum, which is a album that he put out with this band Third Eye Girl, which is some people that he's been playing shows with uh, in here in the Twin Cities and in various parts of the, the country uh, for a while now, for a few years now. And um, they're really good, you guys. <laughs> These albums are really good. I didn't expect them to be good. I've always been a, a Prince appreciator more than a Prince devotee. And uh, I, I like Prince, but I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't let's go crazy for him, if you know what I'm saying. But there is something incredibly timeless about these new records. They sound like they could have been put out at any point in his career. They sound old and they sound new and they sound progressive and they sound classic. I haven't heard all the tracks from from all of them, but I really uh, I was surprised how much I dug these Prince records. I don't know if there's a lesson in there for Tom Brady uh, or for Derek Jeter. I think Tom Brady needs the lesson more of something about hiding out in uh, your studio in Minneapolis and becoming a better quarterback that way. I don't know. But I was really pleased to see that even though everything decays and rots, maybe not everything has to get worse because Prince, because Prince. Plus, he doesn't look like he's aged since Purple Rain, and I think he might be some sort of... uh, immortal wizard. I think that's going on. Well, here's where I would say uh, this is home dunk, even though you already know it's home dunk, but I have to say it anyway. Uh, this is home dunk. Let's listen to some uh, some more parts of the show. I get a home dunk. So here's the thing. Hockey season is just around the corner, and I'm going to try this year because this year now I'm hosting a sports podcast, and I feel like it's my uh, it's my duty. I should pay attention. I should be a little more diligent. But I've never felt hockey in my bones the way I do with basketball, baseball, football. Somebody, though, does, and it's Greg Wachinski who edits the Puck Daddy blog at Yahoo. Hello, Greg. Good morning. So tell me, uh, I think it's fair to say you love hockey. Is that right? This is true. I I was uh, born into it. it. Uh, My dad was a uh, Rangers fan and then an Islanders fan, and then I finally convinced him to become a Devils fan growing up in New Jersey. Okay. And, uh, yeah, big big hockey fan uh, to the point where my my father actually – uh, gave up on my parents' wedding anniversary to attend Game Four of the 1995 Stanley Cup Final with me. <laughs> and who was playing in that final? That'd be the Devils and the Red Wings. It was a short series for Detroit, uh, but a good one for the Devils. Okay, okay. Uh, so when we talk about your love for hockey, just help me clarify: is it like, is it like being in love, like a romantic, like swooning? This person can do no wrong, or is it more like the love you have for your family, where they drive you crazy sometimes, but you're stuck with them? Not a stuck with them. I, I, I don't. Uh, I don't ever loathe hockey to the point where I feel like I'm. Uh, I'm shackled to the sport. Okay. But it's definitely a, a warts and all love, and not some romanticized uh, field of dreams baseball kind of love. <laughs> uh, you know, it's as a hockey fan, you take the good with the bad. You understand that there are ugly parts of the game. It's an inherently violent game, and sometimes people cross the line. And then you deal with the repercussions. You see your your coworkers the next morning and have to explain, no, that's not exactly what the sport is, uh, right. but it does tend to happen sometimes. But but overall, I mean, it's it's a sport that uh, that rewards 
uh, hard work. It, it rewards achievement. Uh, it's, it is a meritocracy in many ways. It's, it's, uh, it's a sport with a, a very strong and rich history to it. And, and it's a sport that I feel like, and, and this is a kinship to, to some other sports as well, that the fans really sort of feel like they're part of, of something of their own. I mean, you know, when you talk to a hockey fan and you're a hockey fan, there's always those awkward first moments of trying to figure out how much they know, how deep down the rabbit hole you can go with right. them. But then once you get out of the way, you have this connection with each other where you feel like, here's someone else in life that, that understands what I like, even if ESPN doesn't. <laughs> I was talking with uh, Colin Hanks, the actor Colin Hanks, for the other show that I host, and he's a huge L.A. Kings fan. He's just rabid L.A. Kings fan. He said that part of it for him was the there seems to be more humility on the part of the players. So he was able to relate to them and, and feel like feel more like they're that they're regular people. Oh, without question. I mean, I, I've covered every sport, every professional league that we have in North America. And, and these guys do have a humility. They're humble. Uh, the, the, the stories of of parents driving their kids three hours on a weekday morning to go to the only rink in an area uh, just to play some, some youth hockey is, is, the, is the background for a lot of these guys. It's a very small-town aesthetic. Uh, and one of the things that's interesting about hockey players is the sense that, you know, they play on a team, and that team aspect is something that's hammered into them. The, the old line that every coach has coming up through the, the youth ranks is, it's the logo on the front and not the name on the back. Uh-huh. And that's, a, that's something they all take to heart. Now, granted, as a journalist, sometimes it's frustrating because you can't get any of them to say anything controversial right. uh, because they, they do have that sort of wall of silence. Um, but that, that notion of team, I think, is one of the other aspects of this thing that, that is really impressive, that no matter what the salaries are for a lot of these guys, no matter what the – the, the experience level is for a lot of these guys. At the end of the day, it really is a, a group of, of uh, you know, 22 players trying to strive to win the Stanley Cup every year. All right, let's get into this upcoming NHL season. It's just a few days away now, and I know, I know you're probably pretty excited about it. What are some things, what are you most excited to look for in the upcoming season? What does a hockey expert get excited about for this season? Well, there are a few teams that are the focal points, and the good news for the National Hockey League is that, you know, back in the day there's only going to be two or three teams you're interested in, but now it's upwards of a dozen each season, uh, and, and in big markets, no less. The Pittsburgh Penguins are a really fascinating team. That's the team where Sidney Crosby, the biggest hockey player in the world, uh, and Evgeny Malkin, who arguably is number two on that list, both play. And they had a huge upheaval. Uh, they fired their general manager. They fired their coach. Both of those guys were part of their, their last Stanley Cup team a few years back. So they go into this season with a new front office, a new head coach, and no one is really sure what the Penguins are going to, going to end up being. And, and that's huge because in, the, in their division, the Metropolitan Division, as the NHL decided to call it, uh, you either are going to have the Penguins at the top or you're going to have a vacuum uh, that could be filled by a team like the New York Rangers, uh, by the, uh, the New Jersey Devils, the Washington Capitals, or the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, who made the playoffs for only the second time in their history last season and are trying to uh, uh, become a contender. So that's, that's one big story. And over in the West, the thing that everybody is looking at is the Colorado Avalanche. Now, the Avalanche last year were a stunningly good team. Patrick Waugh, that famous crazy goalie for the Montreal Canadiens, 
became their head coach uh, and led them to a 112-point season, first in their division, shocked the world by being as good as they were, and everyone expects the bottom to fall out this year. Uh, I'm not one of them, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can keep that pace from last season, and if they can, they could be a cup contender themselves. Why do they expect the bottom to fall out? Well, so in baseball, as you know, there's long been this whole fancy stats, baseball analytics, money ball sure, thing sure. going on. Sabermetrics. And it is, it is boomed in hockey uh, in the last couple of years. Uh, hockey analytics, uh, fancy stats, possession numbers, all of this stuff has come to the forefront. A lot of it uh, through, through on, uh, online writers and bloggers. And uh, in Colorado, the numbers say they shouldn't be anywhere near as good as they are. They're kind of playing above their heads. Everything points to them not being that good and, and the bottom falling out this year. Uh, so and some people have just considered them a test case to see if these fancy stats are actually uh, applicable and, and, and worth their weight. But, uh, but I think the Colorado Avalanche will be an interesting case to see if, if maybe uh, uh, the numbers are, are, don't point necessarily to them, uh, to them falling apart. Yeah. Um, and then with the, with the Penguins, it seems to me as the casual observer, they're kind of they're a little like the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're this the team in the smaller city that you sort of always expect to be pretty good. Yeah, for sure. And there are a number of those if they've got strong management and, uh, and good coaching and especially good goaltending uh, that year after year can be in contention. Um, you look at a team like the St. Louis Blues, for example. I mean, St. Louis to me is that same sort of mid-market right down below Chicago, but uh, with Ken Hitchcock, their coach, and a good collection of players and two good goalies, they're in contention every year. Uh, there's a lot of teams that are like that. Pittsburgh, for me, though, is more like, it's, they're a, a little bit more like the Dallas Cowboys under Tony Romo. It's like they've got the talent, they've got the tools. For whatever reason, it doesn't come together, and, and you wonder whether or not there needs to be an explosion of that talent or if you just need to keep on kind of surrounding them with, with different players to see if you can get the right mix. Mm. All right, so I'm keeping my eye on the Penguins. I'm keeping my eye on the Avalanche. I'm expecting some some drama, either positive or negative, from both of those teams. How about players? What players should I keep my eye on this year? Well, there's a kid down in Dallas that's a real intriguing uh, story. His name is Tyler Sagan. Now, he used to play for the Boston Bruins and, and, and was a, a really strong young player for them but was a bit of a party boy. Mm. So they shipped him out. They kind of decided, you know what, we're not going to deal with this anymore. You don't fit our style. You don't fit our, our personality. We don't think you're going to ever become the player we, we drafted you to be. He was drafted second overall. So they traded him to Dallas last year, and lo and behold, new city, new team, new coach, everything else. He blows up becomes one of the top five scorers in the National Hockey League last season. Uh, this year, they've surrounded him with even more offensive talent, and it looks like it could be even a, a bigger and better season for Sagan in Dallas. And he's a player that a lot of us are really excited to see. Uh, and then, who are who are the up and comers? Who are the uh, the Lemieux and Gretzkys of tomorrow? I understand there's no Gretzkys, though. There's only been one Gretzky. <laughs> I, I'm clear on that. <laughs> yeah, there'll never be another Gretzky, just because they've they've, they've changed the rules so much to allow. Uh, defense, which is something Gretzky never really had to deal with back in the 1980s. Right. <laughs> and also the goaltenders in the 1980s uh, wore pads that were the size of napkins, and uh -huh. now they all wear pads the size of Michelin tires, <laughs> which kind of makes it harder to score goals as well. Uh, the number one pick in the draft this year was Aaron Ekblad. He's a defenseman. He'll play for Florida and do pretty well, I think, in his rookie season. Uh, there's a kid on Tampa Bay named Jonathan Drouin, 
who uh, everyone assumed was going to play with uh, Steven Stamkos, who's their big goal-scoring star down there. And uh, and he could easily – he's sort of the favorite for rookie of the year right now. But beyond rookies, to go back to Colorado, there's a kid named Nathan McKinnon on that team who was the number one pick in the draft uh, uh, two years ago and one rookie of the year last year, who's just an absolute beast. I mean, he, his, his upside is, is of a star quality. Uh, he really found his game in the playoffs last year and was just – controlling games on his own. Uh, so if they succeed, I think it's going to be with McKinnon as their top scorer this year. He's, he's one to definitely watch. All right. I'm keeping my eye on Colorado, and I'm keeping my eye on some of these uh, these warmer states uh, down below. they got some stuff going on. Tell me this. Why, why don't teams just get uh, incredibly morbidly obese guys to play goalie? Why has that never worked <laughs> out? Now, this has come up a few times, and, and I, I used to believe the same thing. Um, but... Uh, Goaltending requires this uh, this thing called mobility, ah. <laughs> and 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 while if you put a giant fat guy or even a guy a skinny guy in a sumo suit uh, between <laughs> the pipes, a number of pucks will just hit hit him and, and fall to the ice, and and that's what you want. But sure. when you get a breakaway and and the player puts a little move on the on the guy, well now right. all of a sudden it's going to be watching a, a like a fat guy uh, chasing a loose puppy, and uh, and the goal will go in pretty easily. <laughs> and nobody wants that. Nobody wants well, that. Well, I mean, I don't know. If, if, you, if it's, a, you know, game number 78 and your team is 20 points out of the playoffs, I wouldn't mind seeing a fat goalie experiment or two around the league just to keep things interesting. Bring on the puppies at that point. Greg Wachinski is the editor of the Puck Daddy blog at Yahoo. Greg, thanks. Anytime. And then there were four. This is the final of the Tournament of Names uh, contest, pitting all the NFL teams against each other. We're down to the final four. We're going to figure out who is the name champion of the NFL. With me, as always, uh, arguing the opposite side of whatever I argue, because that is what competition is about, is uh, writer actor and bon vivant Mike Fotis. Hello. And uh, hotshot executive uh, federal court district judge Peter Clowney. (laughs) I love that. Thank you for the promotion. Yeah, sure. Congratulations. Right on. All right. So, Mike, uh, we have uh, the Lions versus the Texans and the Cowboys versus the Giants. So let's lead off with Lions against Texans uh, and go ahead. You're you're arguing for the Lions. Yeah, okay. So, as we know, everything morphs and changes. Uh, the Detroit Lions aren't animals. That's I know that's where you think I'm going oh. with this one. Wow. They're the Detroit so. Lions. Hey, you lying to me? Oh, oh wow. Yes, I am. So if you don't know, yeah. okay, all yeah. right, you don't know where your opponent's going because <laughs> right. you know he's not telling the truth, you know he's lying, he's but Detroit you're not sure lying. what he's lying about, yeah, yeah. that is tough. You that know, because, is tough to play. Because listening is such a big part of football. It's a huge part it of is. football. Yeah. Yeah. They don't silently hike the ball, Peter. <laughs> that's true. There's speech at that yeah, moment. that's right. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, <laughs> but the Lions, it's spelled L I. O-N-S, but that's part of the lie, yeah, isn't it? that's right. Okay. That's right. You're in it right from the start. <laughs> yeah. It's a tornado of untruth. Good luck. Tornado well, okay. of untruth. That's a powerful force. You mean that literally? Does it create forces? Mm-hmm. Maybe he does. Yes. Yeah. Maybe he's, good point. I don't maybe know. he's making it Good up. point he did, he says. Yeah, good so, point he you. did. Yeah. So they're against the Texans, and I think it, despite uh, – 
like whatever the circumstance truth is under, I think the Texans have a pretty good, pretty good chance. There's lots of them. Uh, I, I haven't been to Texas much, but it's my understanding that they all keep and use guns uh, quite often. Uh, they are uh, they've recently seceded from the United States, so that they're their own country, and uh, I think that went through. Yeah, and uh, and so I think whatever happens, there's millions of them. They're armed, and uh, they could be prepared for anybody uh, with a slipshod notion of truth coming out of Michigan. Okay, I'm going to throw this out there, too. We're willing, the Detroit Lions are willing to sell their art. What? They sell their art, John. Oh, topical. Yeah, topical. they're selling their they're art in all their art museums. So yeah. if they're willing to do that... They got they nothing got to lose. Yeah, they have nothing to lose. They are renegade cops with two days until retirement, okay? <laughs> the Texans also, aren't they, they're familiar with tornadoes. This is something that happens. Yeah. You're they're, thinking of Oklahoma. They're, yeah. yeah. South, South Oklahoma, also known as Texas. And Kansas. There's yeah. a very significant tornado history there. I think there's a, lot, um, there's a lot of imagination in what the Detroit team is doing. However, I think that could be blunted by the complete lack of imagination of a team calling itself the Houston Texans. Just as the Philadelphia baseball team is the Philadelphia people from Philadelphia's, <laughs> so too the Houston people from Texas's. Uh, yes. demonstrates that they're not going to get distracted by uh, abstract thinking or uh, details or really anything. They're just going to plow forward uh, with their self-identifying geography. So if they call themselves the Detroit Michiganders? <laughs> yeah, the De Detroit Michiganders, the Chicago Illinoisiers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the it's the Texans. It's the Texans? Yeah, you know why? Why? Because I think the Hurricane of Truth, he didn't own it enough. Like uh, I would, yeah, uh, you know, or of, of lies. You mean the hurricane what are of you lies? Owning right now, <laughs> you're lost in your own verdict. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, I think that uh, I think the Texans they they're they're heavily armed, mm -hmm. um, and they know how to aim around one another. Apparently, because yeah. they use guns quite a lot. You said every sure. day. Yeah, constantly. And uh, that's how they buy know, groceries. And these, is they shoot at the yeah. groceries they and want. And honestly, yeah. I was more compelled by the, the by the feline strength in earlier rounds, mm. and today the the uh, the prevaricating. Yeah, that doesn't do so much in physical combat. Combat. I'm okay. just saying. Okay. All right. Yeah. Texans advance right. to the championship. Yeah. Let's who they see who they play between the Cowboys and the Giants. And uh, I'm taking Giants in this one. And as we've established in previous episodes of the Tournament of Names, the Giants are 90 yards tall, 270 feet tall. Uh, and I, I'm just going to leave it at that. I, I think I'm, now I'm just going to rest my case, Your Honor. Okay, so as we know, the Giants are the number one seed, and it's been really hard to get past this whole 90-yard <laughs> yeah. tall thing. Yeah. It's really yeah. tough. Yeah. So, uh, again. They drafted well. <laughs> Stomping power. I'm switching things around. Yeah. Okay. okay. I've traded out cowboys. Yes. Humans. Okay. Uh -oh. All right. And we're going with boy cows. Boy cows. Okay. Okay. And everybody knows there's nothing more ferocious than a boy cow. All well, right. So this must be a cow. Another, there's another word for that. Let's think of a danger, boy cow, terror, boy. unbelievably good at football. No, it's not Those quite are that. the underwords you're thinking of. I can't come up with it. They're like Voltrons. Okay. Oh. So okay. boy cows are they're real stackable. So <laughs> like Legos. The boy cows. Everybody knows can stack up. To be 91 yards tall. Uh, okay. Right. 91 Thus, exactly. Yeah. Thus negating the Giants' height. I'm just throwing that out there. <sighs> Fee-fi-fo-fum. 
Yeah, but blowholes, uh, do those remain in this yeah, version? Yeah, of course. So the top of the Peter. head, explain to me the blowhole again with the, the cowboys had them underneath their 10-gallon hats. Yeah. And those were used for projecting things. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, the boy cows, anything like that? Yeah, because their skulls aren't fully formed yet because they're oh. boy cows. Oh, not so men cows. They use oh. their fontanelles to their advantage. <laughs> <laughs> they do. Wow. So th- what they do is they blow out songs Whoa. and sayings that would really <laughs> intimidate. So uh, while they're building, they're all just blowing out their blowholes. <laughs> things like, we're going to get you, giants. Yeah. You're in big trouble, giants. Hey, giants. So they're, look confron- who's taller. they're confrontational songs and yeah, sayings? <laughs> that's right. Okay. So, Again, a lot of speech on the battlefield. Yeah, uh, but 90 yards tall. 91. <laughs> Nine, well, they're 91 yards tall, but I think they're fragile. I think mm. you have a, a one continuous object with the giant, whereas if you have numerous boy cows stacked Voltron style, uh, they're susceptible along all their cracks to a massive toppling. And again, that's not what Voltron teaches us, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's... you push Voltron, you get robot strength right back. I think that might happen with uh... really. I don't know what what is the connection between hide and hoof on the boy cow uh, stacking. It's it's is it's the strongest connection that is also very pliable. That's that's what the connection is. Everybody knows that it's science. I'd say that's bull, but I don't. Giants live on clouds. Oh, do they? Yeah, you, uh, could, you could take a beanstalk all the way up there, and a giant is living on a cloud. Uh, boy cows uh, chins are made of knives. <laughs> knife chins. Yep, knife chins. Nah, okay. Those do sound like powerful. <laughs> those chins. do sound. I love the evolutionary qualities in mm-hmm. in the Fotis land. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh... turn that butt into a, I agree with Fotis. <laughs> oh, the giants! They are they, they are one ninety foot tall. Ninety yards tall. 90, 90 yard. Yeah. Okay, Hoosiers wasn't a movie people loved because they were supposed to win. It's the Boy Cows. I'm going with them. Yeah. All right. <laughs> what an unbelievable! Wow. They really rallied. Oh, really okay. no, one, no, one, had it. no one brought this up, but tripping power. Yeah. One little boy cow under the heel. Yeah. Or yeah. at the the hey, big toe. If Jack can do it, so can True. boy cows. Mm-hmm. Well said. Okay, this brings us to the championship. It's an all Texas <laughs> championship. It is football after all. The hoedown showdown. Um, the Texans versus the Cowboys for the grand title. And uh, Mike, uh, I will I will again stay with the the stubborn, obstinate, heavily armed Texans. I think uh, in this case. It is all Texans. I think there are uh, 300 million people who live in Texas. Mm-hmm. They all have guns. Mm-hmm. And, uh, is that they, the 2000 census? You're 2010? From, that's from the 2010 census. Okay. Adjusted. Well, latest. Yeah. Estimated. All right. And uh, and they are coming after these boy cows. And, you know, last I checked... Uh, They're a, good at that. A Texan human uh, often has dominion over cows. Okay. True. Very... Uh, that's a good argument. But here's what we've all heard of the Trojan horse. Mm. Yes, we have. Yes. Um, so have you, but you haven't heard of the Trojan cow, and that's too bad for you guys. <laughs> oh, because we roll in a big Trojan cow into the Texans field, and they're like, "Oh, this is nice. They must not want to fight. They must not want to have a game." It's a cow but, gift. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, they're like, "Why is that cow's mouth opening?" And then you're like, "There are the actual human cowboys coming what? out of the mouths, no. firing guns." <laughs> Are those laser guns? Yeah, it's laser. 
days are gone that everybody's wow. freaking out. When you when you say the the boy cows coming out of there are these what half, scale? Are these human cow? Like, these are cowboys riding boy cows. Right, okay. Wait, so, coming, so out of a giant coming out of a giant How many cow? yards exactly? 120. Whoa. Literally the length of the entire field with end zones. Okay. With end zones. And the horn of the statue cow is statue. The, the posts. The field goal oh. posts. You see them? The goal posts. That's... That's that's the word I was looking the for. Field posts. <laughs> the field posts. And is anything kicked through those posts? Is there anything uttered, perhaps? Yes, the dead bodies of the Texans. Whoa. Okay. All right. It's it's formidable. I'm afraid of the human cow hybrids riding <laughs> the other opposite formation remind of the human me cow the, hybrids. Remind me the height of the Texans. These these human beings have three hundred million of them. Three hundred million. Uh, probably average five ten. One eighty. 250 I was going to say. Oh, barbecue. Yeah. Okay. And uh and there's a lot of them. So, yes, millions will die. Millions will die millions. at the hands of these laser shooting cowboy boy cows. Right. But there are millions of others to take their place and fall on the boy cows. Mm. I mean, it it will take them by surprise when they receive the Trojan cow and then fall asleep thinking that this was all a gift. Right. Because as we know, all Texans sleep in stadiums. Yeah. And uh, so Stadia. That, so Stadia. Yeah. That will take them by surprise, but I think they, I still think they have the numbers. So the scene I'm, 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 you're describing is it's nap time for Texans. Sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a song. I've yeah, They've had some barbecue. They sleep in the stadium. Somnolent Texans yep. in the biggest stadium we've ever seen. Sure. Right. Um, and uh, it's now a giant 120-yard long and tall yeah. Cow. 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 Yeah. Gift yeah. cow. Gift Mo- cow. Moonlight. Yeah, the Texans understand that's not a real cow, but they think, oh, what a, it's what like a, a wonderful Statue of Liberty present, even though Texas it's crowding style. us in this stadium. Yes. But there is no moonlight. And then what opens the in the cow? Yeah. The mouth opens. The mouth opens, that's right. And then streaming out, just lolling. tongue rolls down. Yeah, and then How many cowboy boy cows are coming out of there? Um... I'm going to say close to 4 million. Wow. 4 million against 300 million, but at that height. At that height. And, and, and shoot. I mean, it's laser weapons. John, you feel it in your gut right now. Versus handguns. I know. You know what happened here. I know. We've Can we lost. say it together? We've lost. Cowboys. Cow. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. I've never been happier. The Cinderella team. No one thought it was possible. I'd like to see Cinderella in this Out mix, actually. Oh, brother. Fulfilling our worst nightmares. Yes. And so that does it. Congratulations to the Dallas Cowboys, Boy Cows, for, uh, for winning the Tournament of Names. Their blowholes must be so excited. I don't know. They're filled with They're champagne. Fil- yeah, filled with champagne. <laughs> And, uh, and knife chins, a Twitter gentlemen. Let's uh, let's all get some rest and uh, get ready to tackle the NBA. <laughs> Well, can't go on, uh, can't can't finish this podcast without giving you the full scoop, of course, on sports. And as you may have heard by now, I hope you have Olympic champion Lin Dan beat the world title title holder Chen Long in uh, the badminton men's singles finals at the Asian Games. It was an all Chinese final, and uh, yeah, uh, Lin Dan took it 12-21, 21-16, 21-16 comes from behind and uh 25 year old uh chen long falls to super dan that's what they call him in badminton circles 
I know, that's just a recap. You all, you all know about this already. Home Dunk is part of the Infinite Guest Podcast Network. Please go to infiniteguest.org and find the various podcasts contained therein, for they are entertaining and delightful. Uh, we get some production help from all sorts of people all over American public media and Minnesota public radio. Uh, Steve Nelson runs the Infinite Guest Podcast Network. Again, infiniteguest.org. Oh, also, uh, go to iTunes and give us some reviews on Home Dunk. Uh, there are, are few, if any, reviews up there now. I hope you give it five-star reviews, but give it some kind of reviews because that really helps us out, if you could, if you enjoyed this. If you don't enjoy this, don't say anything to anybody. I'm John Moe. Bye now.